and uh, sure appreciate it. Some of you don't know uh, Jessica Dale and her twin that were up here in the front singing together. Um, her mom, but I, I was I, I couldn't help at one of the point in the songs you were singing, and you both took the same position, had your eyes closed. It was like, yeah, that's a mother-daughter. <laughs> it was cute. I appreciated it. Well, this morning I want to speak to us a little bit from God's Word about who we will serve. And um, as we were singing, uh, I just uh, suddenly felt led by the Spirit. I wanted to just pray about something, and that's that... Sometimes I feel like I come up and almost feel like I'm lecturing or condemning, and I want it to be an encouraging message this morning. And that was my prayer as I asked God to just use my words to encourage all of you uh, as we uh, hear His word this morning, that we would be encouraged by it, not uh, condemned or, or, or feel badly uh, when we leave here. I want to encourage you. Well, uh, off to the side here, you'll see I have a sign that I brought in. And our son, uh, Brian, made this sign for, uh, for us, for our camp. And uh, we bought some property and we, we uh, uh, put a, an older mobile home on it last year. And um, so Brian made a sign for it. And uh, as you can see, it's down in Northland obviously. And, um, but the last word, legacy, and I've been mulling that ever since Christmas when Brian gave me that. Um, what do I want my legacy to be? What is a legacy? What is it, what is it uh, that I want people to remember? I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the, the sign. I'm grateful that uh, uh, we, I have a place that I'm able to leave to our children and, and that they will be able to enjoy, hopefully for years to come, and our grandchildren. But my real legacy, I don't want to be stuff. I want it to be my life. I want it to be something that when they think of grandpa, dad, that they think of somebody who loved them and modeled Christian love and grace toward them. And so I've been really thinking that through a lot over the last uh, month. And uh, it's just really kind of been bombarding me. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a meeting down in Madison, Wisconsin for our district board of overseers. And as I was driving home, I did something that most of you know I don't do very often. I reached over and I turned on the radio. I like quiet in the vehicle and I usually drive uh, the whole time without any uh, distraction or noise. But I turned the radio on and I was hoping to hear some uh, Christian music. So I found a Christian radio station and there was a song playing and I listened to that song and at the end of that song on came a speaker. So my hand started like, "Ah, I'm going to shut it off and and all of a sudden, I recognized that it was uh, James McDonald, who is the uh, pastor of Har- Harvest Bible Chapel in Chicago. And when he came on the air, I, had, I have seen him and heard him speak at the Moody Pastors Conference and really enjoy uh, him and, and his messages. And so I left, it, I left the radio on. And to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot 
of what he, he had to share with us that day. Uh, but I do remember a couple of things. Uh, one of the things that he talked about was the poem Invictus. And some of you know the poem. Um, it's not one of those things that I've thought a whole lot about in recent weeks or months or years. Uh, when I heard it, it was like, oh yeah, I remember that. You know, I, uh, and I understand that sometimes in schools you're asked to uh, memorize that. The other thing that he, he did uh, is he played a little piece of a song by Bob Dylan. And uh, many of you remember the song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. And uh, Bob Dylan uh, was a uh, kind of a uh, hippie and uh, had, his, had his thing. But here's part of that song. It says, you're, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to. I'm not singing it, did you notice? You're going to have to serve somebody. Uh, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And uh, as he was singing that and, and as I was thinking about this uh, message and the things that I was going to be talking about in legacy, I was thinking exactly that. We do have to serve somebody and we have to choose today who it is that we're going to serve. We have to make a decision of what we are going to do with our life, how we're going to live it, where we're going to live it, and what kind of a legacy it is that we leave behind us. Well, when he got done uh, with his uh, message, I'm um, expecting some Christian music to come on, and, and instead, uh, Dr. Tony Evans came on the air. Now, Dr. Evans is another one that I've seen at uh, Moody Pastors Conference. I love listening to Dr. Tony Evans. If you've never heard him, he's, he's just one of those guys that when you get done, is like, yeah, I want to... You know, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just kind of, he gets your attention, you know. And uh, so I was listening to Dr. Tony Evans. And Dr. Tony Evans recited Invictus. Hmm. Lord, are you trying to get my attention about something here? What's up with this, right? I've never heard this song. I mean, I haven't heard this poem for years and years. And now I hear it again. And he was talking about the poem Invictus. Can you read that? Yeah, I guess it's big enough. Okay. In the poem Invictus, um, he uh, read, read the poem and shared it. And, um, but for me, the bottom line that I want us to think about is what you see highlighted there. In the bottom it says... It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. And I was thinking about that, and I think in today's age that some of us really think that we are exactly that, don't we? I think we, we feel sometimes that I control my own fate. I am the one who dictates and determines where I'm going and what I'm going to be doing with my life. And to some degree, our decisions, our choices that we make do, in fact, impact that. But if we are Christians, if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, then God and Jesus Christ are the masters of our soul. He is the one who determines what is going to happen with us. He is the one that we have to give our heart and life to, to allow Him to make us into the kind of people that He would choose to make us into. And I think that sometimes we choose to instead decide that I'm going to decide where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do, and my future is in my own hands. And we're going to talk a little bit further about that uh, as we get close to the end of the message. 
because I don't believe that that's the case for most of us in terms of where we will spend our eternity. See, you and I cannot do anything to determine what our eternity is. And so the, the, the final uh, outcome of my soul is not in my own hands, it's in the hands of one that I trust. I can either accept or reject that one who controls my future, my history, my life, my eternity. So again, as I'm working through all of this, I, I was also thinking about some conversations that Ann and I have had recently. Um, are, are any of you on Facebook? Are you Facebook people? Just, you know, raise your hand if you're Facebook people, right? Okay. All right. Some of you are. Some of you aren't. Some of you are looking at me like, what's a Facebook? Um, but, you know, uh, are you familiar with selfies? You know, you know what selfies are, right? People on Facebook. Now, we've got, Ann and I were talking about it because we have this friend who's a former pastor who, like, daily changes his Facebook page, his face, and he's constantly putting pictures of himself or his family or his kids or grandkids or people on there. He's shooting pictures, right? So he's always constantly putting up selfies. So I thought I would share some selfies with you today. Uh, I put up some, I mean, these are all really important uh, ones that I would, you know, I would just really, truly want people to remember my selfies, you know, I would have these, I want you to know, by the way, and they have to be deleted off, I've deleted these, I've gotten, you know, these are just a joke, so get rid of that, okay, so, but here's my question, are your selfies your legacy? Are you, sell, are you telling people, when you post your, your selfies on there constantly on, on the computer, uh, when you're lifting yourself up, is that who you want people to remember? Is this person whose picture was constantly on the computer? Is that really what you want your life to be about? Obviously, I don't want those selfies to be my legacy. So my question this morning is, what do you want your legacy to be? When people think of you, what do you want them to remember? I, I so greatly appreciated, Julia, it was like you were in my mind when you picked the songs this morning because they really connected with, I knew what I was going to be sharing this morning. And I was thinking, even as we were singing some of those, you know, and, and as you were, you were uh, Jess was reciting the verse, I, I was thinking to myself, about how I live my life. Do I live my life in such a way that when people think of me, they think of a godly person or do they think of me as something else? And, and my family who sees me closer and better than anybody else, do they really see me as a man of God or do they see me as something else? Do they see me as a servant to my kids or my grandkids? Do they see me as a servant to my wife? Or do they see me as one who takes advantage of her and, 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 and does not love on her and, and take care of her? How am I viewed? What do I want my legacy to be? I was joking about uh, Jess and her mother up in the front earlier. You know, what a legacy that they can stand and sing together. I remember uh, our daughter, uh, daughter-in-law, Corey, talking about when she and, and Brianna got to sing up in the front and what a blessing that was and, and, and what a blessing it is to be able to do some ministry together with a family member. 
That's a wonderful thing, and it's a good and wonderful legacy. Bringing your family to church is a wonderful legacy. It's a place that you can build. But I wonder sometimes, do our selfies really represent what is happening to us and who we really are? Are we really so self-centered that we don't care about what other people think or feel? That, that we want people to come and bow down and worship at our feet because we think we're so awesome and so wonderful. In the schools, kids are taught that pretty much anything they do is good and, and perfect. And, and sometimes in homes, the same things. And we, we pat them on the back and say, oh, that was really good, even though it was horrible. And we have a way of making people think that even bad things are good. We don't stand for anything. And so therefore, whatever people do, we say is okay. And so, so then people feel like we should bow down and worship at their feet. If you watch the uh, playoff game between uh, Seattle and San Francisco, at the end of the game there was an interview and this player was all pumped up about a play he had just made and he got out there and he started screaming and yelling, I'm the best corner in the, in the world. And he, and he was all you know, worked up and, and, and the sad part of it is he thinks he's the best in the world. Now, he may be a, a, an outstanding cornerback in football, but you know what? Nobody's going to bow down and worship him because he's a good cornerback. Nobody's going to remember next week after the Super Bowl what he did two weeks ago after the, and during that football game. People forget quickly, unless you've done something to impact their lives on a personal level. The Scriptures draw us more and more and more into that kind of a relationship. And so, some people have chosen to serve somebody. The problem is they've chosen to serve themselves. And I want us to compare that this morning. I want us to compare that to what we read here in Joshua chapter 24. And in that chapter, Joshua is giving a farewell. He knows that his life is about uh, to end, and, and he's giving a farewell, and he's encouraging uh, the people who are there uh, in Israel, and he's trying to tell them uh, some things for them to remember. And he's just kind of bringing things to a conclusion. And he's talking to them about the gods that they had uh, seen and, and heard about and people were worshiping. And he's telling them, look, you have to make a choice for yourself today. You have to choose who it is that you will serve. So he says, choose for yourself today. Don't choose the last moment, but choose for yourself today. So that you can serve the right person, the right one. And then he concludes, and, and Susie concluded the singing time with that. But as for me and my household, I'm making the decision. I'm telling you who I will worship. And I'm going to encourage my family to worship and we will serve and we will worship and we will praise the Lord. And that is the legacy that I want to leave with my children. Not a chunk of property with a, with a little mobile home on it. 
Yes, I want, to, I want them to have a place to go and enjoy. And we go there and we have a great time together as a family. My nephew called yesterday. He comes up and hunts with us. We had a conversation on the phone yesterday. He says, Uncle Hank, you remember you were talking to me about this at camp. And, and those are things I want them to remember. But we also talked about Jesus Christ and the Bible at Deer Camp. That's the legacy that I want my nephew and I want my kids and my grandkids to remember. That we loved the Lord. And so Joshua gives this clear invitation about legacy. And he says, as for me and my household. He doesn't just say for himself, but, but he's, he's hoping. He's choosing to invest in his household, in his family, that they too will choose to follow the Lord. Now some of us grew up in homes where we did not have that kind of a legacy. I'm one of those. I grew up in a home where Jesus Christ was not talked about. We didn't go to church. Oh, I, I went once in a while, with, you know, with grandma and grandpa. Because I loved my grandpa and I wanted to sit by him in church. I didn't go to hear the word of God. I went to be with grandpa. So some of you, I understand, have not had that legacy. But you can begin today to build your own legacy because that's what Joshua is challenging us to. He says, as for me, I will worship the Lord. And as for my household, we will worship the Lord. And that is the kind of legacy that he's challenging us to have as well. Now, if you would turn with me to the book of Romans. I want to pick up in Romans chapter 12. And when I think of Romans chapter 12, I think of what I've read and heard uh, from theologians. All of you know that, that uh, I'm not a theologian by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, uh, but I love the Lord and I love His Word. And as I was reading about Romans, it's been described as Paul's greatest theological writing. That he lays out theology for us as clearest in Romans of any place else. But chapter 12 of Romans is a transitional chapter. The first 11 chapters are, are laying out the theology. This is, this, is, this is what I want you to know about God and, and worshiping God. And I want you to know all about these things that are important about God. And he lays that all out there for us in chapter 12. He does a transition. He says, now that you know about those things, now that you understand those things, now this is how you're to live. This is how you're to take those things and put them into practice so that people will be impacted by your life for Jesus Christ. You see, it's one thing for us to have the head knowledge. It's another thing for us to have the heart knowledge. It's one thing for us to know what we're to do, but it's another thing for us to do those things. And so Paul here transitions and he says, look, I want you to go from having the brain, the head knowledge about this, and I want you to put it into practice. So he lays out his theology and then he tells us, okay, now go and do these things with what I've told you. And so if you look at chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. Given us. If a man's gift is, is prophesying, let him use it to. Pro, uh, I'm sure. Let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is in leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil with evil. For care, uh, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not, take advantage, do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. If, some, if doing this, I'm sorry, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. I don't have enough time here to even scratch the surface of what these verses are telling us. We could spend months and months talking about these verses. But these verses are giving us some practical things that we can do to put our life into action that has a meaningful result, and that's impacting the lives of others so that they would turn to Jesus Christ. That's the only reason that God would leave us here on this earth after we have become Christians. Otherwise, not once, once we become believers, why not just snatch us up into heaven? Then we're not going to be tempted to sin and, and fall short. But rather, He would take us into heaven. No, He has left us here so that we can impact people's lives. And these verses give us practical application on how to do that. And so, let's just go through those kind of quickly. We don't have enough time to spend a great deal of time on any of them. But the first is offer yourself as a, what, living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. It's your spiritual act of worship. You see, as we sacrifice things for, that we would want for ourselves, as we take our eyes off of self, as we quit looking at our selfies, and instead look at others, we can impact those people. We can share with them the good news that Jesus Christ loves them and died on the cross for them. They will listen to us if we are serving them. They will not listen to us if we are condemning them. I believe as, as Christians, we have a reputation as being against everything. I hope that people would instead see us as those who are serving constantly. 
our neighbors wanted to get together recently and and uh, we're trying to figure out a schedule to get together and we're texting back and forth. They live next door, but we text back and forth. Yeah, yeah. And uh, anyway, so we were doing that and we're trying to figure out a time to get together. And finally, she kind of wrote back and she said, oh, you're just a couple of do-gooders, you know, with a big smiley face after it. Well, then she started writing some things back and forth and they're very active in the community doing things. And, and so I wrote back to her, oh, you're just a do-gooder and put a smiley face. And we were talking, we went out to dinner with them the other night. And we were talking a little bit about that. But you see, there's a difference between doing a lot of good stuff and doing good stuff and then having the privilege of being able to talk to those people about Jesus Christ. As we were at dinner and our neighbors are not Christians, he asked me, he does every time we're together, he asks me a question about the Bible. It's wonderful because then I can talk to them about Jesus Christ. And you see, that's offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Not worrying about how you're going to be viewed by somebody else or what your ideas and thoughts are, but rather giving yourself. It's an act. Spiritual worship. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Giving ourselves so that others can see us worshiping. Well, worshiping ourselves. <laughs> what does that do? Well, that's a following the pattern of the world. Right? That's, the, that's, that's conforming to the pattern of the world that, that was talked about here in Romans. You see, the world says it's okay for me to just worship myself and, and I'm worthy of you bowing at my feet because I'm so awesome. I'm so wonderful. I don't know if any of you uh, watch American Idol. Ann and I got in the habit because we communicate back and forth with our grandkids, grandkids over in uh, North Dakota about it and uh, they, were, they had been watching it, so we got in the habit of watching. Well, the other night we were watching, and there's this young lady that was up there singing. And, and she was like really bellowing it out. And she sounded terrible. I mean, she couldn't sing a lick. She sounded as bad as I do. And she got all done, and she's up there like, you know, I'm really cool, I'm really great. And the judges said, you can't sing you didn't sound good. And she's like, but, but I love to perform and I, and I love to perform with a large audience and I want everybody to hear me and see me. She didn't care about the audience. All she cared about was her performance. And that's being self-serving. That's being one who conforms to the world. Somebody has been telling her, you're a wonderful singer. Hogwash, she couldn't sing a lick. Somebody needs to tell her. And they tried and she still wouldn't listen. How's your life? Are you out there blowing a lot of smoke? Or are you a truth teller? Are you living a life that is drawing people to Jesus Christ? Or is your life living in such a way that you're repelling people, pushing them away from Jesus Christ? Offer your lives as a living sacrifice for Jesus Christ. How do we worship ourselves? 
Paul in here says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Put yourself in the right perspective. Now, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I think we should think of ourselves as really blessed and special because God so loved me that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who went to a cross and died for me. That makes me pretty valuable. That makes me pretty important. That makes me pretty cool. But you know what? I can't take the message out there, look at me, without pointing them to the one who did that for me. I need to point people to Jesus Christ. Take your eyes off of me and look at him. Because look what he did while I was yet a sinner. While I was his enemy, he loved me so much he sent Jesus Christ into this world. Christ died on a cross and took my sins. But God raised him from the dead. And he ascended into heaven. He's still alive. Sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He is worthy of worship. He is worthy of telling people about. He is worthy of us pointing people to. Taking my finger off of myself and pointing toward him. That's what Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter 12. And we need to do that more and more. We're all part of the body of Christ. If we've trusted Christ as our Savior, if we believe that he is our only way to get to God's heaven, if we truly believe that that salvation is found in no one else other than Jesus Christ, and we're a born-again Christian, if we are that, we're part of the body of Christ. And each of us has different gifts. And we're to use those gifts for the body. Here's a problem that I see. We're part of the body. We have gifts. But we don't put those gifts into practice. Or we have a gift, or we think we have a gift, kind of like the gal with the singing. You know, we think we're good about something. Uh, I've had people who have come up to me and said, you know, uh, I, I would really love to, 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 I think I've got the gift of preaching and I really want to be up in the front preaching uh, on the first Sunday that they came here. I've never met them before. And they expect us to put them in the pulpit to preach a theology. We don't even know anything about their theology. We don't know anything about their life. Why would we do that? But they don't want to do anything else except get up in the front and preach. But you know what? You can serve the body even if you don't have a particular gift. If we are serving diligently, if we are doing, if we're ministering the way we should be ministering, if we're serving the way we should be serving, we should have a waiting line of people to worship and, and work in our nursery, to work in our children's and our youth ministry. We should have to, we should have, to take a, have a list going to, to, to determine who gets to work around here. But instead, I hear from our, our, our people who are doing the ministry Oh, we can't get enough people for the nursery. We might have to close the nursery this week. Just because you don't have a particular spiritual gift doesn't mean that you can't use, you can't minister to people. You, oops, for some reason that's not coming up. Okay. Um, so, if you have a spiritual, I'll just go and tell you what these fill-in-the-blanks are. 
All beliefs are part of the body of Christ. Each has different gifts to be used for the good of the body. If you have a spiritual gift, put it into practice. Start using it. Not for yourself, but for the body. And then the last thing I want to remind you of is that you can do ministry for people even if you don't have a particular spiritual gift. You can still do ministry. Use your spiritual gift for the body, but you can also do ministry if you don't have a particular spiritual gift. So who will you serve? Uh, I'm missing a couple of slides up there, but... We model Christianity by serving others, not ourselves. What do others see as your legacy? I started off by telling you about Bob Dylan and his song, You're Going to Have to Serve Somebody. I read that Bob Dylan wrote that after he had become a Christian. He had given his life to Jesus Christ. Not too long after that, some of the other musicians of his time came out with songs that were opposed to what he had to say, including Paul McCartney wrote a song from the Beatles that, that was opposed to you got to serve somebody. And then later, Bob Dylan himself recanted on the song and said that he did not serve the Lord. He walked away from one that he had made a profession of faith in at one point. The poem of Invictus. Timothy McVeigh. You all, maybe so most of you know who I'm talking about. He's an American terrorist who detonated a truck bomb in front of the Alfred P. Murrah building in Oklahoma City on April 19, 1995. That bomb killed 168 people injured 680 people. McVeigh chose the poem Invictus, which means unconquerable in Latin, to be his final statement to the world. He handed a handwritten copy to the prison warden just before his death. And he highlighted, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. My question, Timothy McVeigh, are you really? Where are you now? Bob Dylan, you do have to serve somebody. Where are you now? Folks, we have to serve somebody. I want my legacy to be the same as Joshua. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. When people think of me, they may think of a lot of things. I still run into people who remember me as Captain Steed, the police detective. 
but even as Captain Steed, the police detective. I love the Lord. And I loved his word. And what I want to leave is a legacy that people know that Hank Steed loved God. Wanted to serve him with his whole heart. He wanted to minister to his family that they too would grow up wanting to serve the Lord. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. What about you? What about you today? God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word, the encouragement that Paul gives us, the instruction that Paul gives us in Romans. Thank you for the challenge that Joshua lays out for us, that, that he challenges us to make a decision for ourselves today. Who will we serve? Lord, help us. We're not perfect. We will not serve perfectly. We will not do everything perfectly, but, but we are called to serve, to minister, to come alongside of, to encourage, to bless, to help. Lord, only with your power can we do these things effectively. But we do come. We come as undone people. We come to serve the Lord because you alone are worthy to be served. Thank you for your love and your grace reaching out to us while we are yet sinners. Lord, help us to live our lives this week modeling and demonstrating for others that love for others as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.